so today, I know we were just going to like talk about a couple things, and but I just got so excited this morning <laughs> about Jesus coming. And as I was reading about <laughs> like what this means for us, I said, okay, I got to give like this short like little punch message because this is why we're celebrating. Like it is a party for real. And that's why we're partying today because it is a celebration. Jesus came. And what that means for us and for all humanity is like the best reason to celebrate brings so much joy. I was almost in tears today as I was writing some of these things down, like for joy though, you know, when you get so, I'm getting it now, like when I'm so happy and I could just cry, you know, maybe that's a female thing because (laughs) I could cry when I'm sad, I could cry when I'm happy, (laughs) it's just (laughs) the tears flow. But I just kept thinking why he came. This is the reason why we celebrate. So when I was thinking about, okay, what are the main reasons why he came? And, you know, we could recount the nativity story. And that is a cool story to see, like, how the shepherds were out watching this host of angels. Can you even imagine that? Multitudes of angels in the sky singing glory to God in the highest he's come. Oh, my goodness. And then they're like, we need to go see him. We need to go worship him. Um, Jesus has come. The Savior has come. But what led up to that point is what brings that such a, makes that such a glorious moment. It says in um, 1 Corinthians 15, I kept thinking about this passage, and maybe you're all familiar with it, where it says the first Adam ushered all of humanity into sin. Right. The first Adam, this is verses 20 through 22. The first Adam lost all humanity to sin. So Jesus as the second Adam, that's what they call him. He's like a type. Jesus as the second, second Adam comes to bring all humanity back to its purpose. So through one man, all humanity was lost to sin. And through one man, all humanity is brought back into their purpose. And that's an incredible thing. And what was it for? To usher us into a new covenant. And we hear the word covenant a lot. There are incredibly seven covenants in the Bible, right? Six in the Old Testament. And then the seventh one is the new covenant of the New Testament, which is awesome. And what we live under, incredibly. But the first covenant was with Adam. And it was right after he sinned, and it it actually was the curse. God made a covenant saying, from now on, your labor is going to be hard. Your relationship with the soil is going to be very difficult. You're going to have to sweat and blah, blah, blah. We reap that consequence still today, don't we? You know, it's working is not an easy thing. It's a tough thing. Women with childbirth, you're going to experience pain in childbirth. That was a covenant that God was saying, this is what's going to happen. But there was a promise in that covenant, too. And what was it? That born of a woman would be the one that it said there will be enmity between the seed of the woman with the enemy. And what comes from her will crush the serpent. Right? Who is that talking about? That is the first mention of Jesus coming. Right at the beginning of time, right after their sin, God already had this plan. My seed, I'm giving my son. And we know the scripture saying he was crucified before the foundations of the earth. But there's this covenant. Yes, there's going to be this curse now over humanity, sin and uh, hardship. But 
there's going to be a seed that comes through a woman and it's going to crush the enemy. It's going to crush the enemy. So there's this promise, this covenant, the second covenant. I'm just going to breeze through these and not go into all details just because we're going to party today. (laughs) But um, it's just to give us a context for what brings us to this new covenant that Jesus brings. There's the Noahic covenant. Go with Noah. First one was with Adam. Second one's with Noah. And he says, what's the covenant? I will never flood the earth again. And he makes that with a rainbow, which we still see today. We look at the rainbow and we remember this covenant that God gave to his people, that he will never flood the earth again. And why did he do that? Because of sin. He wiped everyone out. It was a judgment. So there's this covenant that he's never going to do that again, the Abrahamic covenant, covenant. So he makes a covenant with Abraham. What does he say to Abraham? I will make your children as numerous as the stars. As numerous as the stars, and Abraham's like, what? How's that going to be? But it's because he was the father of faith. So again, it's this long-term covenant. Abraham, you're, you're the father of faith. So every child born of you, which is going to be every child of God, from you until the end of time, we are now all Abraham's children because we're children of faith. That's why we're more numerous than the stars. This is the covenant that God gave. He gave a covenant to Abraham's people that they would enter the promised land. He gave a covenant that Abraham would be the father of nations, right? Again, because he's the father of faith, believers from the time until now who believe from all nations, he's the father of nations. And there was going to be a sign of this covenant was circumcision. I remember we talked about this months back circumcision back then was only to be a shadow, which are all these things, a shadow of what was to come. It was foreshadowing what was to come. So circumcision back then was this sign. The circumcision today is of our heart. That's what Jesus taught was the circumcision of the heart. But with the Abrahamic, Abrahamic, I don't even know how to say Abrahamic covenant, circumcision was the sign of this covenant. So that's why it was so important for all of Israel to be circumcised because it was a sign of the covenant that God made with them that they were going to be this, uh, you know, that he was going to be the father of all the nations, that they would go to the promised land, that they are his people. So that's a da- uh, the, Adam, the covenant with Adam, covenant with Noah, covenant with Abraham, that's three. Fourth one, Mosaic. Mosaic covenant. God promises to make Israelites the treasured people a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Right? Doesn't that sound familiar? It's in the New Testament too. That says now we are all a kingdom of priests, a holy nation before God. So that started with this covenant with Moses, which was a foreshadowing of what was supposed to come, what was going to come. It says, but I- in the Old Testament, it says, if they follow the Ten Commandments, they will be God's people, a holy nation, a holy priesthood, uh, kingdom of priests if they follow the Ten Commandments. What was a sign of that covenant was the Sabbath rest. So the fact that all the Jewish people would take that Sabbath rest, all of Israel would take that Sabbath rest, was a sign of the covenant God was making with them, that they were his people and they could rest with him. And it was a mandatory thing. Um, And we have that Sabbath rest today, right? That's also something that we have and that we're looking forward to. Hebrews 4 says that. 
Sabbath rest that we're living towards, eternity, right? Um, then the fifth one, the priestly covenant, which is with Aaron. So there needed to be a high priest back in the day, right? We all remember this. Only the high priest could go into the most holy place. But God made a covenant so that the high priest could go into the most holy place to make sacrifices for sin. There had to be sacrifices made. So that's the, the covenant with Aaron, the priestly covenant. Then the sixth one, Davidic, the covenant with David. The Savior, and then now this is like the culmination of it all. The Savior will come from the line of David. And it's now it's, get, it's ri- amping up. Okay, our Savior is going to come. This is the sixth covenant. Our Savior, Messiah, is going to come through the line of David. He will be anointed with holy oil, holy oil, holy oil, holy oil. He'll gather the Jews back to the Holy Land. He'll usher in an era of peace, and he'll build the third temple. Now, this is what, that was the covenant that he made with David, saying the Messiah is going to come through your line. And so now everybody's watching and waiting. Oh, we've been waiting for this Savior to come. We've seen it from the covenant of Adam where it says the seed of the woman is going to crush the enemy, the head of the serpent. It will bruise her heel, but she will crush its head. So from the very beginning, the the people of God said, he's going to send someone because we messed up big time. We brought all of humanity into this curse, into sin, into bondage. But what a great God that we have that from the very moment we did that, he said, but I have a plan and I'm going to bring you back into it. And I'm going to make covenants with my people so that they know that I am a faithful God. And all of those six covenants before they also played a role in helping us to see that we were nothing, that we had no righteousness on our own. What were the Ten Commandments for? What was the law for? To show us how evil we really were. That's what the the commandments were for. They were to show us that we had nothing apart from God, that we had no righteousness apart from him, that we were bent towards evil since that moment. So now he's making all these covenants to show us how unrighteous we really are, how in need of a Savior we really are, which was also his mercy towards us. That's incredible, God. He says, I'm going to make all these things to show you how awful you are so that when my son comes, you'll realize what a gift, what freedom. So this was to bring in this new covenant. And so Jesus comes. He's born in placed in a manger, manger, and I read something interesting the other day. You know, it says he was born. They said there was no room at the inn. Well, back then, this is just a random, interesting fact. Has nothing to do with this, but back then, uh, the an inn was actually they didn't have like inns like we know inns. You know what I mean? It's not like a bunch of different rooms. Usually, it was somebody's home, like a relative. That word in the Greek, uh, Hebrew, or whatever. So most likely it was a relative or someone that they knew that said, we have no rooms available in our home, but there's room in where we would normally keep the animals during the winter time where they come in. 
so a stable or it doesn't mean that the animals were necessarily in there. We don't know any of that. None of those details are in the Bible. But he was born there in this back room where they would allow animals to keep warm during colder weather. That's an interesting thing. It made me think of it because of some things that were said this morning. Anyway, so Jesus came. He was born in that place, in the most lowly place. But then we come to this multitude of angels in the sky that say glory to God in the highest. This new covenant, this baby right here has the fullness of the Godhead within him. And he is going to be the savior of his people. And we're going to break every other covenant and usher in this new covenant of freedom from captivity. That his blood is going to be the required blood because all, all the covenants required blood. So now Jesus was going to be the ultimate sacrifice that we would no longer have to make sacrifices for our sin. One sacrifice made for all men and that blood was going to bring us into the most holy place that we could experience his presence daily, moment by moment. This is the rejoicing that we have now. That we are no longer under this curse. He came to set us free from the curse. And all of time from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve up till now, up till when he came, people were waiting and watching. When is our Savior going to come? He's going to come from the line of David. Let's watch. Let's wait. Let's know the prophecies. He's going to be born in the town of Bethlehem. All the activities around his birth were just the fulfillment of the, all these prophecies. It was like, bam, heaven comes to earth, and now there's like power. There's presence, the Godhead in bodily form, now here in a baby. In a baby. But he's going to save us all. He's going to save us all. What rejoicing. The ones that brought gifts to him, frankincense, myrrh. It was like a baby. There's a baby, but we all recognize he is our deliverer. He is our deliverer. Let's worship him. All of heaven, heaven is just opened up. We've seen multitudes of angels saying glory to God in the highest. The time has come. Our Savior is here. We no longer have to make daily animal sacrifices. We can walk in to the most holy place. We can live there under his blood. And before, under the old covenant, it was external regulations. Everything was about what you did, the external. Under this new covenant, it's we have a new heart before God. And it's all internal. The, inter the law written on our hearts, right? The law of love written on our hearts. The two covenants work together to show us our need for Christ and to fulfill that need. The old covenant established our guilt before God and our need for a savior. The old covenant showed us there's not one righteous before God. The new covenant, Jesus makes us all righteous with his righteousness. God sent his son born, uh, this is an amazing scripture, Galatians 4, 4 through 5. God sent his son born under the law so that he might redeem all those under the law. He was born under the law. And I'm going to just, Hebrews 10, if you want to read all those 
comparisons between Old Covenant and New com Covenant in throughout the book of Hebrews, but Hebrews 10 labels all, all out, and you just read, and you're like, <gasps> crying, and oh, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us, that you came. This is the greatest rejoicing, time of rejoicing. This is why we celebrate. Not just that he came as a baby, but what it meant for us. Salvation, Messiah, Deliverer. I'm going to finish with Colossians 2. Writing in verse 9. For in him, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, for in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. <laughs> and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Oh, I'm getting so happy. And in him were you also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh. He removes our flesh, our fleshly side by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which we all have been, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out, no, this is the best part, having canceled out the certificate of debt cons consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He canceled out our debt. He paid for it in full. We had an eternal debt because of our sin, and we had no way of paying it. We had no way of making it right. We needed a Savior, and he came to cancel out that debt in the decree against us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, when he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, Jesus. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. And it goes on to say, let no one be judging you against all these external things, right? Because the new covenant is not an external religion. It's within the heart. There's transformation in our new heart, and then our life comes from that place. That peace, this era of peace that was ushered in through the promise. Now we live in great joy and freedom and peace. And this isn't, Christmas season is just to remind us of this. This should be this daily thing that brings tremendous joy. Wow, I live in complete freedom from sin, from the curse, from this enmity, this debt that was held against me that I could not pay. Every day I live in great joy. But during this season, as we open gifts and celebrate 
we must remember that it's all about him and it brings such joy. So let's party, let's celebrate, let's rejoice together as the people of God. It's not a somber time. It's not a sad time. It is the greatest time because in that moment in history, God decided right now, Jesus is going to come. All heaven opens up, invades the earth, and now we can usher in the second wave. And the Gentiles, who we are, can be brought in. So, Father, we rejoice in who you are today. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We rejoice in you, God. I pray that over this holiday season that our hearts would be overwhelming with joy because of the gift of your son born under the law so that he might redeem us that we're under the law to break the curse, to disarm rulers and authorities so that we might be free. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for coming, Jesus. We rejoice in your coming, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming as a baby. Thank you for taking our place. We love you. We love you. We love you. And today, everything that we do, we're rejoicing in who you are and in what you've done. You are amazing, God. In Jesus' name, amen.